Hey, yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into our remote version of the, I mean, the last remote version of this podcast for the 2022 offseason. Uh, we will be off on Monday and Tuesday and then be with you live at 4 p.m. Uh, for a preview of the 2023 season. We also have our live show, uh, live pregame and watch party over at the Whistle in Oak Lawn, uh, over at 95th and Cicero, 4911 West 95th Street. So come out and join us at 4 p.m. There is an Eventbrite page uh, where you can make an RSVP at allchgo.com. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me is the usual CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer and Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Acknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. It is Sunday. Baseball is so close to being back. Uh, I just am very, very giddy, very, very excited. And I hope all of you are uh, as well. We are going to be very busy that first week, guys. We are basically going to be having shows uh, for six straight days. Um, so two off days here uh, to get us prepared. But then uh, we're going to be covering all four of those Astro games. We're going to be covering all three of the home opener uh, series as well. And we'll have an off day even in between those games uh, where the White Sox and Giants will be taking place uh, on guaranteed, at Guaranteed Rate Field. Um, so very exciting that baseball is back boys so instead of six straight days it's eight straight days is it eight straight <laughs> or nine if you include nine. the wednesday so yeah, yeah. nine straight shows Merch. nine straight days of us you're gonna be so sick of us <laughs> but like very happy with our content because it's going to be actually talking about real baseball baseball that matters baseball that uh, counts and i cannot wait it's what four more sleeps until we actually get to see the white Sox of 2023 i'm hyped I was just talking to somebody the other day about kind of how life has been and it, you know, White Sox camp has been so quiet. And I mean, that's a, a good thing for the White Sox so they don't have injuries or, or bad news that they have to talk about, uh, you know, for the most part. Uh, but it, it seems like we've had just kind of an extra month of the off season almost just because it's been kind of business as usual or, or a go it's gone according to plan for Pedro Grafal and his new staff down there in Arizona. So obviously, you know, we've seen plenty of practice as, as I like to call the cactus league. And we got a nice, uh, we got a nice boost from the world baseball classic, but um, you know, it'll be, it, it'll, it'll be a world of difference come Thursday night when, uh, when the games start counting. And it will be fascinating because baseball is so intricate and, and like we'll, we'll have to try to notice what is different about Pedro Grafal. Um, maybe it'll be very easy to spot what's different between him and Tony La Russa, but I think that's probably one of the main storylines that can't be answered until March 30th. We don't know what he's going to look like in the White Sox dugout until it happens. Uh, so very exciting for Pedro Grafal's tenure to start. Um, and it's such a crucial season, too, because if they don't win, it kind of feels like the window's closing. If they win and they look really good, maybe the window's open forever. Um, so uh, good luck, Pedro. Uh, the hopes of this franchise are, are waiting and uh, all on your back. Uh, so uh, good luck. Might be a tad hyperbolic, but I don't. I, I, I kind of get what you're getting at, right? I mean, I think the idea being that last year kind of was a uh, – you know, just a dunk tank full of cold water uh, for, for White Sox fans and certainly for the White Sox themselves. Uh, and I think if you were to repeat that in any way, again, uh, it would be a, a little bit more than just the sky is falling. It would be like, or it would just be throwing your hands up and, and not really knowing what's going on. So, uh, but I think at the same time, it's important to remember that uh, there was a reason that a year ago, right now, uh, 
you know, people were were so excited for what this team had had to offer because of the talent on the roster. Now, uh, there's a big difference between, you know, having a nice, talented roster and, and, and having a team that actually goes out and does it. And we've still been waiting to see them go out and do it. So uh, uh, you're right there, there. This is a big year. There's a lot riding on this year. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, um, the the fulcrum of uh, of everything uh, with the franchise, but I think it is a very important campaign, and and we're going to be watching it uh, extraordinarily close. And I think too to open up versus the reigning champs is a great thing for the White Sox because they don't just ease in with the Royals or a team they're familiar with. The reigning champs, Houston Astros, yes, they will be without Jose Altuve and maybe some others, and Justin Verlander's currently a New York Met, so they'll be down him, but you have to bring your A game or you'll get embarrassed on national TV. And I know what last year was about, and they want to prove that they are not the team that showed up in 2022. And so it's good to have a big time, put those in quotes, measuring stick series in Houston versus the reigning champs. So you can get your juices up and get your blood up every, every show, every game of the four game series. And then you can ease into the season after that. But I think those first four games are meant to be extremely, extremely valuable to the White Sox. And don't forget, their former guy is on the other side now with Jose Abreu as a Houston Astro. Absolutely. But um, it's very weird that the White Sox will not see the Royals until the second month. Like we're also going to see a very weird first month where the White Sox are going to be tested. You mentioned the Astros, Herb, and seeing Jose Abreu. Uh, The Giants won 100 plus games in 2021. We don't know how good they're going to be in 2023. But even the Orioles gave the White Sox a ton of competition last year. um, And they're a team that's always going to play hard. So kind of judging if Pedro Grafal is going to get these guys to play hard, uh, that's going to be a great test right there for the Orioles uh, and Sox from the 14th to the 16th. Then the team that the Astros played in the World Series, the Phillies come to town from the 17th to the 19th. 19th, then the Rays, Blue Jays, and Rays uh, to finish out April. So a lot of good teams in April. It's going to be a great way to test the White Sox early this season. Yeah, measuring stick is uh, – I'm, I'm glad you put the air quotes on it, Herb. Kind of a little self-referential that it was kind of silly to call it that at the opening week of a 162-game season. But uh, but I, I get what you're saying, and I think, too, that you're right in that. Think of how what we did, what we just did all March talking about how – you know, the guys that were playing in the World Baseball Classic, it was so beneficial for them because they got to, you know, they got to get amped up by an atmosphere. They got to get amped up by stakes, uh, you know, as opposed to the practice that was going on back in Arizona. Um, I think that you could apply that maybe a little bit to to this opening series against the Astros. Hey, here's a team, not only a team, the team that knocked you out of the playoffs two years ago, raising a banner and and, and showing you what it means to, to play championship caliber baseball. And considering that the Astros are still really damn good, they might just – come out and and mop the floor with the White Sox just because the Astros kind of mop the floor with a lot of teams. Um, but, you know, to, to have that level of competition, to have such an example of what you have to do to win a World Series, staring you right in the face first thing as soon as the season starts. Um, you know, I'm not saying that uh, the, the White Sox go 0-4 and it spells doom for the entire season, but uh, I get what you're saying in terms of, man, being in that atmosphere, that loud Minute Maid Park and, and, and seeing all the championship celebrations still going on from last year, it's, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. Well, and even to add on to that, like looking at last year, the first three seasons or first three uh, series of the White Sox season, 
that was great. I mean, the White Sox were feeling super high, taking two or three against the Tigers, taking two or three against the Mariners, and taking two or three against the Rays. Um, I mean, everyone felt good after those first three series. And then it was you go to Cleveland, and then you kind of get that real punch in the mouth, and, and they never really responded after that. So um, it really doesn't matter, I feel, what they do in Houston. Um, they can get shelled. They could be uh, putting up a great fight. I don't want to see another 21-5 to 5 loss, uh, so hopefully we can avoid something like that. Uh, but we are now going to be previewing the rotation because uh, Pedro Grafal has put out his first rotation. Uh, so why not continue talking about the Astros and White Sox? Opening day. Dylan Cease will be your opening day starter against the Houston Astros in Minute Maid Park. Uh, Lance Lynn will pitch the second day. Lucas Giolito will pitch the third day. Mike Clevenger will pitch the fourth day. And Michael Kopech will be the home opener against the Giants on April 3rd. Um, what do we make of the news of Dylan Cease being opening day starter? I think if I asked you literally last year when we started doing the CHGO White Sox podcast, or if I told you Dylan Cease will be opening day starter in 2023, I think I'd get a lot of weird looks because I usually get a weird, a lot of weird looks from Vinny. So I think if I said that, I'd probably get a little bit more. <laughs> well, it's funny. We were talking, you know, at this time a year ago about, uh, you know, me and Herb, I can remember us, you know, beating it into the ground, basically Lucas Giolito, the, the, the ace, remember what he showed us uh, back in Oakland, you know, back in 2020 is to go along with the no hitter. Uh, you know, we were, we were kind of hyping him up as a guy who could still be at the top of the rotation. And, and I still believe he could be that kind of pitcher and certainly has that kind of attitude and stuff like that. But we were very much thinking of Dylan Cease as kind of the number three here, even, even after a very impressive, in my opinion, 2021 season from him, you know, it was such a vault up to the elite status of pitchers. And then obviously Lance Lynn, we figured, Oh wow, Lance Lynn just finished third in the Cy Young, you know, Dylan Cease, you're, you're excellent, but, to, but take your seat at number three. And uh, he really kind of, uh, you know, just blasted by those guys um, in, in 2022 with what he was able to do. So it's a no brainer now. I think we were talking uh, with Pedro early in spring training and it was like, uh, you know, ooh, Lance is still one of those guys who could maybe even, you know, because of his veteran status or something like that, be an opening day starter for you. Maybe he's a candidate for that. And Pedro was like, yeah, well, we also got a guy who just finished second in the Cy Young. So, uh, so I mean, I, he was kind of like, well, yeah, even that's pretty obvious for me. I don't think I even need to beat around the bush on that one. But, um, yeah, Dylan Cease, I think, has been the no doubt opening day starter uh, ever since the end of last year. The thing that I'm excited for is just, you know, finalizing that matchup, getting that matchup in in, in concrete. Dylan Cease versus Framber Valdez. That's going to that's a whale of a pitching matchup right there. I think that's going to be really exciting on Thursday night. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it wasn't too long ago, 2021, where they went down to Houston for a four game series uh, in the middle in the middle of the summer that year. And they were just embarrassed. Uh, they looked awful in that four game series is really the only time all year because they, you know, they, they ran away with the division. It was really the only time all year they just looked horrendous. And um, it would be it would be nice for them in their minds, particularly the starting pitchers, considering the only one who threw in that series who's uh, who's uh, who's gone now is uh, is Mr. Rodon. Uh, I guess Dallas Keuchel was in that uh, was in that series as well. But uh, the, the Dallas, Lance, and Lucas all got lit up in that series. Uh, maybe Dylan can go down there and, and set a different kind of tone for a four game series in Houston this time around. And he, yeah, well deserved uh, opening day starter for Dylan Cease because his stuff was filthy last year, and he deserves this uh, nod. The only thing, and it's a big thing, while we talk about Lance Lynn and his struggles versus Houston Astros, where he's got like a four and a half ERA. Dylan Cease is a little worse. Four starts, twenty innings pitched, zero and three with a six thirty ERA. 
Um, Astros will do that to you, Herb. Oh, my God. Yeah, because <laughs> everything else I'm looking at, I'm like, whoo, he's pretty good versus most other teams. But uh, that's a bugaboo that I'm sure he's been thinking about. It's like, you know what? I want to exact some revenge and tell these people I'm at the top of the rotation for a reason. Well, not just for the White Sox, but I'm at the top of the rotation for the rest of the American League. And so showing this American League team, the reigning champions, that uh, Dylan Cease is coming and arriving on opening day, I think is a big value to them. Well, and let's just go back to his last start against uh, the Houston Astros. We build it as basically a boxing fight. Dylan Cease versus Justin Verlander, and he got the win for the Sox uh, that day. I mean, he didn't get a win, but the White Sox won that game 4-3. F- to three. Um, So I would say that's a win in his book. Five innings pitch, six hits, three earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, one home run. I think the biggest thing is he's just probably – sore about those walks i think i think if he cleans up those walks i think he probably has a, a good start against the astros i mean if you well, go five you innings can, and you get the win that's that's a good start you can take the astros out of that sentence you know what i mean he's probably mm-hmm. just sore about the walks period from last year i mean this is the thing i think on his mind that he needs to clean up um you know Dylan's not necessarily the kind of guy where he's going to uh, get emotionally uh, uh, involved really in any one game, but he is the kind of guy who's going to focus on every single pitch. And I think, um, you know, he's probably, he's had an off season to not only bask in the, Hey, I can do this. I can be one of the best pitchers in baseball, but to stew in the fact that he can be one of the best pitchers in baseball while leading the league in walks. Uh, you know, I think he, he knows exactly what he, what he needs to clean up. It's just a matter of doing that, uh, you know, against a team with one of the best offenses in baseball, that's an uh, easier said than done. Certainly um, it's uh, Hey, first or second inning, he's going to be facing Jose Abreu. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be something to see it, it, it. And, you know, Hey, we saw what Jose did in terms of walks last year, but um, that is going to be a, just a weird, weird thing to see. <laughs> I would love to, I don't know who's going to catch that game. It'd probably be Asmani just because it's opening yeah. day. Um, I would love yeah. to see him just put, I mean, I guess you pitch comment now, uh, but just fastball, 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 <laughs> just throw him three straight fastballs. <laughs> I would love to see Dylan Cease like just challenge Jose Abreu like that. Uh, Is that, that because be of Jose struggles with fastballs or you just think like Dylan's well, fastball is just the best in the game? We'll get to it, but also it'd just be fun. I mean, it just reminds me of Eric Gagne versus Barry Bonds where they were playing, I, I think, Olympics or something, all-star no, game. And, it was and, a regular season game. I, remember, I know no, what but, you're talking about. But they, I think they had it, the conversation. They had a conversation oh, prior yeah. and said, hey, next time we face each other, um, you know, we're, we're, I'm just going to throw you – I'm only fastballs, but I get one changeup. Yep. Um, and Barry Potts an- annihilates a fastball right down the middle. Um, but Gagne is like ratcheting it up to like 102. Yeah, um, both at the top to of their Dylan. powers too. Both right it up past their yeah. man. Golly, <laughs> they would just. I've have you seen Eric Gagne lately? I mean, he's he unrecognizable. Like Kyle Farmsworth. He is. He is very slim. Why didn't he oh, pitch for slim. Team Canada? He should have come out of retirement and pitched for Team Canada. He's still <laughs> he going 90. See. <laughs> Um, to really quickly uh, touch on the Lance Lynn thing, uh, well, just the Dylan Cease thing. Um, be great to see that uh, matchup between him and Abreu. Um, but again, he's looked a little rusty in spring training. This obviously won't be the tone setter for his season either. Um, a big thing about Dylan Cease's start, Lance Lynn's start, Lucas Giolito's start, and Mike Clevenger's start versus the Astros, no Jose Altuve. Lance Lynn br- just taking the deepest sigh of relief since 2019. Jose Altuve, 10 for 21 versus Lance Lynn, 
two doubles, that two place. home runs. He has owned Lance Lynn, and thankfully, uh, well, not thankfully, that's the wrong word, but uh, thankfully for Lance Lynn, he won't see uh, Jose Altuve uh, opening day, um, and the White Sox won't. So, I mean, that's a, that's a huge boost for the White Sox going into Minute Maid Park. They won't have their best player. I mean, you could argue that it might be Jordan, but one of their best players. Yeah, there's a guy named Alex Bregman who's pretty good too. Uh, but you know, the, that's the thing. They're there's no real, good. there's no real, there's no real easy spots in the Astros lineup. But um, uh, you know, the, you get rid of Carlos, you get rid of Carlos Correa last year, and you bring up the World Series MVP. So, oof. But uh, you know, you got yeah, and you got to bring you in there in the middle of there now. I, I I don't think anybody on the White Sox staff is like, oh yes. Here we go. Bring on the Astros now that Jose Altuve is not in that lineup. There's there's eight or nine other guys that can uh, that can knock them around too. But um, yeah, I mean everybody's you know, there's this narrative around Lance Lynn and the Astros. You got the numbers there. That's fine. I don't think Lance Lynn really cares about that. To be honest with you, um, it's just is he going to go out and 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 throw well the first time out? And we saw we've been talking all spring about Lance Lynn and how good he's looked and how good he was in the World Baseball Classic how ready he seemed, you know, from early February, basically, uh, to take on the Astros in the second game of the season. So um, I I don't have any concerns about Lance Lynn uh, being ready for that game. It's just this is a damn good lineup. And is that damn good lineup going to knock him around or is he going to to hold him at bay? Yeah, and I can't. Yeah, as uh, Vinny said, I can't think that Lance is thinking about this because he's one of those guys. Nah, he's one of those guys like, fuck them. Fuck everybody equally. You know, yes, I struggle for something. You don't think he's pouring over the numbers? You think he's a numbers guy? No. I don't know if he's a numbers guy, but I think he knows what's happened to him. Oh, I mean, he does. It, since every start since 2019, he's allowed at least six hits. Yeah. But Lance given Lynn up, he's, is... given up, he's given up at least three earned runs in all of those starts besides one. In what universe is Lance Lynn shaking in his boots over anybody? I'm That's not what saying I'm saying. shaking in his boots, but I, I, I honestly think it might piss him off a little bit. Like, these guys have owned me. I, th- I think he wants to go out. Like, uh, you're saying that he doesn't care. I, it, I, I'm feeling like you guys are saying he might be ambivalent. I think that oh, it's no. the other way. I'm saying I don't he's think he's not shaking cowering. his boots. Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's sh- – I think he's just probably – you know that oh, like he's probably been circling that day, you know, even before World Baseball Classic just because they have owned him. But like I that. think that Lance thinks about that with most people, most people who are going against him. He he just has disdain in the moment for the person who's batting against him. That's why he's like, get out of your slapdick, motherfucker. You know, he, how dare you? bring a bat up there and try to hit me. He's got that type (laughs) of edge to him. And I think that maybe that's what he needs all the time and he can't let up. And so if he focuses on one team over another, I think he will not get his uh, um, proper mindset right. And maybe that's what's been happening with him. He's been too angry or too in his head about, oh man, last time Jose Otube took me uh, to the yard. I need to do something different. I think he needs to just have his same game plan that he did in the WBC. Sometimes home runs are going to get hit against him, and that's fine as long as they're solo shots, like mostly in the WBC, and then just go to the next guy because, yes, you have to concentrate for one through nine with the Houston Astros. If you let emotions from back in the past get into your head, I don't think he'll be uh, executing his pitches as well as he wants to. Last five starts versus the Astros, he's given up at least four earned runs. And in those uh, games, two home runs, three home runs, two home runs, three home runs, zero home runs. Uh, So he has just been tagged by them. So uh, it'll be an interesting matchup, nonetheless, uh, with Altuve or no Altuve. Um, Again, Jordan Alvarez, pretty good. Uh, Jeremy Pena, pretty good. Kyle Tucker, pretty good. Uh, Jose Abreu, again, pretty good. Um, Lucas Giolito. No love for Alex Bregman from Sean and and underscore W underscore Anderson. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, boost up your fantasy team, your AL only fantasy team. <laughs> as many shots as possible. Um, 
let's go to uh, Lucas, though. Um, I, I'm just interested on where the fastball is sitting. I, I honestly don't really care if he has a good start, a bad start. Um, Lucas Giolito needs to be good for 2023. And as we said, you know, with all these guys, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what the first start is like. But I think for Lucas, like, I think he probably has the most to prove to me out of the four. Um, Clevenger, I think, is Clevenger. Lucas, though, could be an, an Cy Young candidate if, if he's really good and really healthy in 2023 yeah i mean this is a guy who's done it before you talk about history against the astros he's got plenty of it too right i mean uh, a tremendous game what was that 2019 when he threw the shutout uh, down in houston and then uh had the excellent game at home in 2021 uh against them as well uh and then obviously the playoffs start I mean, I believe he got deeper than anybody of the four of them that pitched in the in that playoff series. But um, you know, still, obviously, was one of the you know the starting pitching was not good in that in that playoff series. So uh, he's got some history too of of good performances, of bad performances. Um, he's a guy though who who's got that attitude and the and the mindset. Uh, it's the right one, and if he can go out and get the stuff to match the mindset. Yeah, you're right. He could be top of the rotation caliber guy. So I, I think that this is a huge opportunity for him to start off the season on a really strong note because uh, he does seem to be – I mean, last year it was – it snowballed bad, right? It was every start there was something wrong, and it got you got to the point where you're like, oh, my God, look at the last six starts from Lucas. Look at the last eight starts from Lucas. Look at the last month from or, or two or three from Lucas. Um He's got to go out and, and and set a better tone for himself this year. And I think he's a much different pitcher from a body standpoint right now than he was a year ago, right? And so uh, if he can put into effect what him and his guy, Ethan Katz, have been working on for the last six months now, uh, I think it'll be a, a, positive, a positive start for him. You're right. It, it, you don't need to go out and see every one of these guys throw a complete game shutout right out of the chute against the maybe still the best team in baseball um, because this is a six-month marathon. But uh, listen, there's there's nothing wrong with with starting things off on the right foot and and not having to uh, make a lot of corrections right out of the gate. You know what I mean? You just had spring training to to get a plan in place. You would like it to go at, as much according to plan as you can as you can handle. You can't control the Astros being good, but you can control you know the what what you have uh, uh, on any given day. Give them a trash can, and they might control their ability to be good or not. <laughs> We uh, got him, Sean. Wow, you got him. Well, I'm going to bring up trash cans in a second, so it's not, it's it's on my mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, we talk about momentum and how the pitching staff feeds off each other, either positively or negatively. That's why I want one of those games in front of Luke Schiavo to go right because I know he'll take that to heart. It's like, hey, I got to go out and shove. And his ERA versus the Astros not good either because the Astros are goddamn good. Um, but the excuses are gone for Lucas Giolito. He had a full off season. He had the full weight training, the access to Ethan Katz, no injuries to speak of to start the year. Now, if he doesn't have the fastball velocity, that's not an excuse. You have to find a way to pitch with what you got. And that's most of your starts are going to be that where you don't have that premium stuff. And so if Lucas does come with 90s, 91, 92, it's going to be tough, but you have to adjust to that. You see that Johnny Cueto adjusted from where he was to the pitcher that he is currently. And so if that is what Lucas is going to be, that's what he's going to be. But he has to find a way to work within those boundaries because no one's going to be feeling sorry for you, especially when you're on a walk year and you might not be on the White Sox next year. So I think that Lucas sees all these things 
puts in perspective. He's a very heady guy and will perform as well as he can. Um, the thing I'm worried about with Lucas is just it going off the rails the first two games and then him taking all that on the shoulders, knowing that Mike Clevenger's behind him. And we don't, I'm at least I don't expect a lot from Mike Clevenger. So he'll be like, I got to get one. And he's trying to overthrow and do too much for the team instead of, let me just be me. Let me be Lucas Giolito, and I'll trust in my team to get me some runs. And just if I give up three or four, know that my team can still go come back and get some runs off this Houston Astros team. Well, and to be fair to Lucas, like I, I do feel like he's somewhat of a slowish starter. Um, I'm just thinking back in 2019, like he wasn't really Lucas until May 7th uh, when he went to Cleveland. Uh, seven and one thirds, three hits, uh, three walks and eight strikeouts. And we kind of saw like Lucas kind of be Lucas for the first time. Uh, and that took him, you know, about five or six starts to get to that point. So maybe he won't be firing on all cylinders right away. But uh, he he hopefully will be because the White Sox have been outscored in Lucas Giolito starts versus the Astros by 26 runs uh, in the last two starts, 13 to three and then 21 to five. Uh, obviously not all on Lucas there, but uh, 21 and 13. Uh, hopefully they could keep them to under double digits. That would be nice. Um, and then going back to the uh, trash can thing. Clevenger's had a weird career versus the Astros in 2018. He pitched against them in back-to-back games, uh, May 18th and May 24th. Uh, So it's tough to really get a true idea of how good he is because they saw him a lot. Uh, They saw him within a week, but then in 2017 at Houston, seven innings, two hits, no earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. And that's 2017. I don't know if it's pre or post trash can, but um, he went into minute made and had a really good start. Um, it's just been a long time since he's gone against the Astros. Uh, May 24th, 2018 was his last start. So it's probably tough to even judge what he'll do against this new Astros lineup because there is no Correa. There's now Jose Abreu. There's Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, et cetera. So, and, um, he's, and he's new Mike Clevenger too, right? I mean, he's, not, he's nowhere near the same pitcher, and I don't even mean that as, a, as, a, as an insult or a, or a detriment, right? He's just – it's been five years. He's a he's a different guy who's gone through Tommy John, who's who's got a had to learn how to how to pitch in a different way. He's a completely different pitcher. This is an Astros team with a lot of different uh, uh, hitters, as you mentioned. So um, I, I don't think you can really glean much of anything from the past when it comes to him. The White Sox have had a lot of history with the Astros in recent years, specifically because of the the playoff series. But um, he obviously has not been a part of that. So uh, uh, yeah, it'll be. Brand new, fresh faces all all the way around. Uh, come come the Sunday game, and actually with Mike Clevenger and all the pitchers, what I would like out of this even more than the wins are longer games because if you run in troubles those first two games or third game, you can be taxing your bullpen a lot in that first week, and you don't want that in the first month. I know as the first you know opening day and opening week, you're probably not going to have seven inning. Um, pitching starting performances from these guys at least get into the sixth inning you don't have to even complete it but putting more stress on this bullpen which is already down a key member in liam Hendricks, would be a detriment to this team and we already just talked about the gauntlet of april that they had to go through and you need all these big people in the back of the bullpen to be in their roles comfortably and not being taxed for extra innings and stuff like that so um just if clevenger can give me five and dive that's it same with all the rest of the pitchers, but Clevenger specifically got to give us five quality innings. And I don't care if he's getting battered around. You just got to get in the game and uh, give your bullpen a break. 
Well, Herb, last year we were talking about that so much, especially early in the season, because it was reality, right? They were coming off that lockout short, you know, that lockout affected off season, spring training. We we had no idea what the starting pitchers were going to be able to do. And it really seemed like in the first month of the season, they were all on workload limits of some fashion. And then it really didn't it didn't work, too. You know what I mean? It, it turned out that the bullpen was used an awful lot just because that's what the situation was in probably not just with the White Sox, but in baseball in general. This year, if we're talking about that, that's a negative, right? These guys should be ready to go. These guys should be able to throw six, seven innings at this point on the reg- on the regular. I obviously know you're not trying to burn out your starting pitchers in the first few weeks of the regular season. But uh, if we're talking about, oh, they weren't able to, to, to make it very deep into games and the bullpen had to come in and the bullpen is taxed and it's only – early April, that's a, that's a, not a good sign. That's a, that's a negative that, you know, something incorrect has happened uh, because uh, these guys should be able to eat some innings uh, at this point now with, with a full spring and then, and all this regular stuff, all those COVID years and the lockout year that's behind them at this point, this is, this was a regular, normal spring training, a regular, normal off season. They should be on a regular schedule. The uh, league stats are really weird and thrown off. Uh, it looks like starters did throw more innings, though, last year uh, than relievers. So I don't know if that uh, was true for the White Sox specifically. Um, I can check, but uh, it does seem like that was a little bit uh, thrown off, like more starters through. Uh, well, the White Sox starters, White Sox starters were good last year too, which you know the last couple of years, which which is helpful in that in that stat as well. Um, you know, when you've got Dylan Cease and Lance Lynn and and even Lucas Giolito, who who the numbers were not great last year, but he was able to to log some innings, as we've discussed. Um, you know, they've got the kind of guys who who should do that. So, you know, and that 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 might work in their favor in that regard. But uh, I th- I just think this time around, last let's put it this way: last year, first half of the season, that was a big time talking point for basically everybody you talk to on this White Sox team. It shouldn't be a talking point this year. Uh, this year, this is that 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 is gone. That you shouldn't be hearing. If we're hearing the bullpen has been taxed lately and is overworked, that's just not good that's just bad <laughs> yeah absolutely um then just for the white Sox numbers uh 2021 the relievers threw 548 innings 2022 582 innings so yeah definitely overworked by about 40 more 40 more innings there um and just to talk finally about the starters we know lance lynn could probably throw 80 pitches at this point like it, he should be a guy that could even if he gets shelled and is giving up a solo home run left or right like he could have a bad line it could just be hey we got four games in houston give us as many innings as you possibly can. We really don't care if you're, you know, giving hits left and right, as long as you are able to maintain that pitch count and you're not really overworking yourself. I, I think they might push Lance to that 80 pitch bark, even 90. He, he should be able to go past 80. We saw him in this right. first WBC start throw 65. And that was two weeks ago at this point. So usually what they do is they ramp up, you know, over the course of a cactus league schedule, like, you know, first start, Oh, I just wanted to throw 40, 50 pitches. Next one, you bump that up to 50, 60, then 60, 70, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Lance Lynn was throwing 65 and looked good doing it uh, two weeks ago. So I, I, I think he definitely should be expected to go past 80 uh, come his first start of the regular season. All right. I'm very excited again. Uh, we are only four sleeps away, as Herb said, uh, from opening day and seeing Dylan Cease be your opening day starter for your Chicago White Sox in 2023. A long journey for Dylan. I'm very, very excited to talk about that on the 29th and the 30th. We want to let you know, though, when you are trying to watch baseball this year, Fubo TV is your place to go. They have over 140 live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news you could stream live tv from any device mobily laptop 
on your TV, and you could start watching immediately with a seven-day free trial. There's no contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. I've massively enjoyed the 1,000 hours of cloud DVR uh, that's included at no extra charge. I've been able to catch up on World Baseball Classic that way. I don't really want to stay up that late, but it's recorded with Fubo TV, and I could watch it in the morning when it is right for me. Uh, it's fantastic to kind of control TV this way, and you can watch local teams while you're traveling as well. And right now, you can watch the College Hockey NCAA Tournament on ESPN2, ESPN News, and ESPN News. The, the Frozen Four, which is taking place April 6th to April 8th. And you can watch the White Sox on NBC Sports Chicago with Fubo TV. Use the link in the description to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. So go to Fubo TV slash CHGO. What were you going to say? It is great because I've been living for like months now without MLB Network with my other subscription that I canceled as soon as I got Fubo TV. MLB Network back. So you could catch live games all the time. If you're if you're on one of those systems to, without MLB Network, Fubo TV is your spot. And again, the DVR is sick. So uh, you'll be able to catch up on all the games that you miss as well uh, if you're just trying to kill time. We also want to let you know about Goose Island Beer Company. Uh, Herb was out here chugging a Beer Hug IPA series uh, on Twitter. Uh, how was that day after you chugged three seven percenters? Smooth. Oh my god! They went down. They don't went down real smooth. I'm telling you, I did not have any hangover the next day. I would recommend not doing it just because you can enjoy the beer. Because the next day we went to St. Charles with the uh, Courtney's family, and uh, we had some beer hugs out there and just enjoyed the actual drinks instead of chugging them. I don't think it affected you because I think you're a tank. Uh, the way that you chug those were impressive anyways. Uh, but Goose Island has been Chicago's beer since 1988. We mentioned the Beer Hug IPA series. That's one of Herb's favorite right now. You cannot go wrong with the 312. And they got nice, cute new cans as well. I saw a summertime beer pop up from Goose Island. Uh, that's a German Kolsch beer. And you got the Tasty Time Pale Ale uh, as well. So make sure you're I was, checking out. I was, at, uh, I was at Thalia Hall last night down in Pilsen. Mm-hmm. And they were serving a raspberry three one two, which Ooh. was which was news to me. So, Whoa! Look at yeah. That. So, uh, and if you want to try out all of their innovative beers, you can go to the Goose Island Tap Room at eighteen hundred West Fulton, or get a Smash Burger and fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brew House at eighteen hundred North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup, go to GooseIsland.com/slash/locations. Goose Island Beer Company. I feel like when we visited the tap room, we probably could have tried something that had raspberry in it. They had uh, that massive board, all those taps with uh, all those different designs. Uh, they get real innovative over there uh, with the tanks. I'm so sorry. Uh, Anyways, let's move on and continue this discussion. Uh, Let's talk about the White Sox and what we're going to do with the last spot in the uh, 26-man roster. Uh, This is a quote from Pedro Griffol. The media over there had it, James, Daryl, Scott, et cetera. Uh, Quote, our backup shortstop plays second base for us every day. So it's not really a pressing need to have a utility player on our bench that is a shortstop. We are not pressed to do that. Would it be of value? Yeah, maybe. Not of great value, but of some value. Is this at Leary Garcia and his main home being a shortstop, but having utility abilities? I, I don't know if it's directed at him. I think it's probably uh, referring to him, though. Uh, or, you know, sometimes, listen, I, I want to give, uh, here's a little peek behind the curtain into the process for us beat writers. Sometimes you got to ask a question in a very 
odd way in order to get the answer that uh, that you're looking for. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, at times that leave, that can leave a lot up to interpretation for the person who is answering said question. So I think that answer uh, was revealing, but I think it was maybe vague enough too that it was uh, that it, it left all avenues open for the White Sox. But I will say this: I, I think it, it goes hand in hand with some of the stuff that we heard from Pedro much earlier in camp uh, when we asked directly about Larry and, and and he said, you know, he's he's in a competition. He's got to compete for a job. Um, and 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 I guess what he's saying there is the backup shortstop is Elvis Andrews, who's the starting second baseman. Mm-hmm. If Tim Anderson needs a day, if Tim Anderson hits the IL, if Tim Anderson has to miss any time, Elvis Andrews is going to play shortstop, which makes total sense. You know, Elvis Andrews is a good shortstop. Uh, but that means somebody has to play second base. <laughs> so um, is that person going to be Larry Garcia? Is that person going to be Hans or Alberto? Uh, is that person just going to be Romy Gonzalez called up from AAA if need be? So uh, I, I don't know if, Pedro gave too much insight into how this is all going to shake out. That being said, uh, I think he basically told you that, you know, if they, that they, they don't necessarily need a super utility guy like Larry, they don't necessarily need their backup infielder to be a shortstop. Again, vague, but revealing at the same time. I still think that if, if you look at what he said, it, it, it has not been the kind of comments that you would expect from uh, or in regard to the longest tenured player on the team. And it, it seems that obviously he loves Hanser Alberto from their experience in Kansas City. Hanser Alberto has had an amazing spring training, as we all know. Um, I, I think this points in Hanser Alberto's direction, but at the same time, you cannot, you cannot ignore that financial implications that come along with Larry Garcia. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. We only have to wait two or three more days to figure out what it's going to do. So everybody just, just continue to be patient. Baseball yeah. reference listens lists uh, Hanser Alberto as a, a second baseman. Her does that does that mean anything? Is that is that a, a sign? Not to me. And I've I just heard what Vinny said, and I heard Vinny when he was in Arizona say it, and when he came back, he's like, maybe they're gonna go other ways. And I was like, I want it to happen because it would be a meritocracy at the White Sox camp. But as Vinny stated. $11 million for the next two years of just having to pay him $11 million to go away for Hans Roberto. That's the thing. Like you're not going to get that much more better play from Hans Roberto. And I know what he does versus left-handers, but when is he going to actually show those skills off? That's when Timmy's hurt. And when uh, Elvis Andres goes to short, that's a, that's a bad case. That's a worst case scenario for me. If Timmy's hurt and then Elvis goes back to shortstop. Yeah. Good, Hanser Alberto could be there, but is that eleven million dollars worth of hey, Larry, go and play some some other team, and we'll pay you money? I don't, I can't wrap my head around that. If they do it, it's a they're turning over a new leaf because I've they've done it in season with Jeff Kepinger and with Dallas Keiko last year, but before the season, I I just don't see it. I don't see it, and I would I want it to happen not because I don't like Larry. Just because it would show, like, hey, if you perform well in spring training, we will have finan- we won't have these financial considerations ahead of you. We'll have who's best for this 2023 White Sox team moving forward, and that will be king instead of hey, we got to pay this man money, and so you're not going to make the team, and he is. Well, Here, and- here's what I'll say in terms of that that money that you can think about it. You know, obviously, you can think about it any way you want. You can you can talk yourself into anything, I suppose, but you can think about it like this, right? They owe Larry $11 million for the next two years. 
they're only paying Elvis Andrews $2 million. And Hanser Alberto would then get some sort of league veteran minimum or something like that. And then let's say Romy Gonzalez is the second baseman in 2024. Let's just use that as an example. You're going to be paying those three guys in baseball terms. This is relative next to nothing, right? To play to man second base and be the backup infielder for the next two seasons. You could say, all right, you can get rid of Leuri and just add that money to what you would pay for those three players that the, to cover those two positions. I mean, would you have paid a starting second baseman around ten million ish dollars? I don't know. Maybe, maybe depending on who it was, maybe you would have. Would you have paid eleven million dollars for a starting second baseman and a backup infielder? Maybe you would have. You know, so you can talk yourself into anything, I guess. But I guess the idea is that in if they were to just jettison Leori, it's not like they would then have to spend a bunch more money on top of that to fill the roles that he was supposed to help fill. Well, and Chuck uh, talked to Rick Hahn today, um, and I listened to it, and they, they talked about uh, Jerry's competitiveness. Uh, Rick said Jerry's competitiveness will trump the sunk cost of eating money, uh, and then he made a joke about uh, Jerry's competitiveness will outweigh me doing a bad job um, or, or something like that. And, and basically saying, like, you know, there's been examples – Dallas Keuchel, one of them, uh, where they've eaten money uh, to make the team better. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't think that the money is is that big of a, a conversation. I honestly think it d- d- depends on we now see Jose Abreu, the longest tenure White Sox, and Lurie Garcia possibly leaving in the same offseason. Does that signal more about what Pedro Grafal is trying to do, maybe reset this clubhouse? I don't – I mean, it, I mean, those guys were the longest tenured players, and Hanser Roberto and Lurie Garcia – about a horse apiece, there is the money factor that in there as well. Um, but like, you're not really gaining anything massively by choosing Hanser Alberto over Larry Garcia. Well, you could gain something and that, I mean, Larry was awful last year. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a guy who could potentially do that job offensively at a better, at a better clip. I'll remind you of this too, if, since we're talking about the monies and what I just said about Larry and Alberto, you bring up Dallas Keuchel. They, they they get rid of Dallas Keuchel. Didn't Johnny Cueto give them the money that was the money's worth of performance that they were paying Dallas Keuchel? Like if they didn't have Johnny Cueto for nothing, they paid it. They gave him a minor league deal. If they didn't have Johnny Cueto for nothing, mm-hmm. that looks a lot different. If they had to go out and spend on top of what they paid Keuchel to go away, if they had to go out and spend on top to fill that spot. But not only did they fill it with a guy on a minor league contract, they got the production that was worth the money they were going to give to Keuchel. So, I mean, it, it, it just happened to work out pretty perfectly in that situation. I think you could talk yourself into it working out in a similar way this time around because the guy you found to be your starting second baseman, your everyday second baseman, is so relatively inexpensive. And I just hope that we learn from this Lurie Garcia, the White Sox learn from the Lurie Garcia situation well, they didn't need to give him this some money is he was a utility guy. A one-year deal would have been fine with a with a bonus. So we learned, like, we love the player, and yes, he means a lot to the franchise, but we don't necessarily have to overpay for the player because his value is what we're paying for in the future, not for what he's done for us in the past. So I would love for the White Sox to have this sunk cost and say, you know what, who cares? Well, Go ahead and play for another team, but I've been a White Sox fan for a minute, and I would hope – that they would change their ways. And I hope that Jerry is as competitive, competitive as he uh, was uh, talked about on this uh, Chuck Garfine podcast. But at the same time, isn't 
like wasn't the reason that Jose Abreu's not back in part because of the money also. It was. You know what I mean? Like so it 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 goes both ways. And I think you've got to I think you've got to look at every uh situation individually because and, you know, I, I don't know if you can come in with some sort of Steve Cohen-esque decree and say, all right, pay everybody everything or all right, we're, we're flipping everything over. Uh, we're going to save money in, in areas X, Y and Z. I don't think it has worked out as uh, blanketly as you might as you as some folks might think. I think Jose Abreu would be on this team if he didn't cost so much. Right. I, yeah. I, but I, I think- mean, that would take a difference of 40 million dollars in this Leary decisions costing like under 10. Right. I mean, or around right, but 11. That's I, but that's what I'm saying is like, I don't think I don't think Rick can come in and say Jerry's so competitive that all financial matters are blown out of the water because. We just saw that that wasn't the case with the Brayu, but in this case, where as you point out, it is significantly less, maybe it will be fine. And and, and so I think it, it it applies. Maybe it, people might be looking for a sea change in the way they're doing business. I'm not sure if that's what we're seeing, but we could see it happen in this one situation if that makes sense. Well, and I think that like. I think going back to when they signed the contract, you have to look at who is calling the shots. And I think that, you know, Rick is obviously doing that, but Tony was such a large part of that, that team. And we, we know what he thought of Leary, the way that he played him uh, a ton last year, but then also talking about how he's not a utility player. Like that's the thing is Pedro's. And I don't know if that's because of the quote and, and the question asked where he's using utility player, but you know, Pedro, kind of sees what Leary is. He's a guy who hit 500 last year, had an OPS of 500. Um, but again, to the Hanser point, Hanser had an OPS of like 623. Like both of these guys are pretty fringe MLB players. And we're, I, I, I think it's, I don't think you're gaining talent either way. It's just really the money. And then also I think like the clubhouse factor, like Leary seems to be respected in the clubhouse and Hanser seems to have a different energy. And I don't know if that's what Pedro's looking for is just simply the energy that these guys bring. Maybe he wants a little bit different energy in Hanser. Like, I think it's, it, it could be as basic as that because I don't think the baseball players are that drastically different. Yeah. I would agree with you on that front because I think that that could make the difference, just familiarity and knowing that, Oh, that's an ingredient we want on our team. It's not saying we don't want the Leary ingredients that, Oh boy, we really want the Alberto ingredient. And, and I think uh, that, that's kind of what I've based most most of my uh, analysis on in terms of this topic is, man, you got the manager, the guy who you, you bring up Tony La Russa being a decision maker. Well, hell, Pedro Grifol's got the same job. He's a decision maker. He's a big part of this team, really seemingly pounding the table for Hans or Alberto. And if that's the case and it's the difference between the the getting rid of, even if it's Larry Garcia, who's the longest tenured player on the on the team, the 26th spot on the roster, right? I mean, that's a little bit more expendable, ideally, when you don't have this price tag hanging over it uh, than than anything else. And you can say, hey, we can we can afford from a roster standpoint to put Hanser Alberto in that in that position because that's something that we really want to be a part of our culture. We'll see if that's how it plays out because again, we don't know. We don't know if if the price tag will win the day, if Leori's tenure will win the day. Uh, uh, that could be a situation, but uh, uh, certainly this is not a conversation we thought we were going to be having uh, a month and a half or two months ago. Uh, and now it's kind of the only real roster drama left at camp. And it's got to feel good. And I know the players love Lurie and they've been around him for a long time, but it's got to feel good if they come to a decision and for Pedro himself, for the upper management to listen to his 
opinion if he's giving this opinion of hey Hanser will help us better more we've than already what seen it. will we've already seen it with Benintendi yeah right I mean I'm not and obviously Rick and and, and the front office wanted Benintendi mm-hmm. but you see Pedro having an influence in those decisions by walking into the second interview before he even had the job and saying hey Andrew Benintendi bring him on bring him on over yeah, and that's that's got to feel good for him and the rest of the team to know, like, hey, they're not just holding on to people for loyalty's sake. They're doing it because they want to win, and winning is king here, not loyalty, not longest tenured White Sox. If you don't bring a certain level of play, you can be gone tomorrow. And so maybe that lifts everybody up. Yeah, and we will preview the final roster, hopefully, uh, again, on Wednesday at 4 p.m. If not, we'll do it live at the whistle for our pregame show uh, on Thursday uh, on the 30th. But make sure you stick tuned uh, to the CHGO White Sox podcast because we'll make sure you are updated all throughout the season. Again, we got nine straight shows, eight straight shows uh, from the 30th to the 6th uh, covering the start of the White Sox season. Going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about the final or biggest unanswered question from the offseason heading into the 2023 season. What do you guys still want to learn about this team? Got to let you know, though, about FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite sports teams, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with a pair from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles. FOCO, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So check out FOCO.com or check the or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. That is promo code CHGO for 10% off all non-presale items at FOCO, F-O-C-O.com. Uh, also want to let you know about ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help you find energy-saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC system, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. And an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a plan, uh, detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. And these can be done in person or virtually, and they only last approximately two hours. So you will have a very efficient uh, meeting with an authorized engineer, and they will try to save you money. Each recommendation will include energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. So don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips and to schedule your free facility assessment, again, free facility assessment, go to comment.com slash powering biz. That's comment.com slash powering B-I-Z. All right, Vinny and Herb, what is the biggest remaining question for the White Sox in 2023? What did you want to learn that maybe hasn't been answered yet? Well, I think I'd look at it this way in that reminding everybody that spring training has answered very little in, in, in reality, right? I mean, obviously, we, we, we got a big answered question and that we got to know more about Pedro Grifol. We got to know about what he what sort of ship he wants to run here. And it seems like uh, he's got buy in from his players in terms of managing the, the expectations and kind of changing the mindset that uh, that 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 helped contribute to the disappointment of last season. Uh, but really, when it ta- when it when we're talking about results and 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 how guys are going to look uh, once the games start going, we need to wait till the games start going to figure that out. So I think there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered for the most part because you know you you could be as confident as you want in Lucas Giolito or Lance Lynn uh, or, or Dylan Cease or Michael Kopech, but you don't know what they're going to look like until they start pitching in, in games that matter. And, and, and uh, you know, we can talk about Yoan Moncada having such a great world baseball classic, but unless he does that 
over the course or, or something like it over the course of six months, he's not yet transformed into the guy that that uh, he should be more like rather than the guy he was last year. Um, so I think I'll take a, just a general approach. And, and this was the biggest question at the end of last year, throughout all of last year. And that was, you know, the offense. And, and I know, Sean, you're going to talk about that as well. But it's listen, can they go back to looking? like the powerful, capable, dominant offensive team that they looked like in, in 2020 and, and in part of 2021. This was a team that was built to just bash opposing pitching, that was built to hit a lot of home runs. And uh, last year, they were not that quite, quite you know, quite uh, frustratingly for a lot of fans and, and just – you know, you couldn't explain why uh, for the most part. So they've got a brand new staff in there. They've got a brand new manager in there. They've got most of the same players. So we're going to see, is that offense going to be able to get back to where the front office thinks it should be? Because, hey, they believe that it can because they put all their eggs basically in the basket of keeping them and and, and just tweaking, uh, you know, around the edges in terms of new staff members and, and, and bringing in Andrew Benintendi and stuff like that. So uh, what are we going to see? from Moncada? What are we going to see from Yasmani Grandal? What are we going to see from Tim Anderson and, and Luis Robert now that they're all supposedly healthy? So, uh, you know, it, it, it seems promising because these are the same guys that we were so excited about watching hit the ball a year ago. Uh, and now they enter the season with without all the health baggage that they did uh, uh, last season and, and certainly then throughout that they established more of throughout the summer. So um, the offense... They're going to hit. They're going to score some runs. They're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. We're going to find out. I'm looking for Ronaldo Lopez to step up. Had a fantastic 2022. And he only gave up one home run that whole year. And his 276 ERA was sparkling. Now, can he take the next step to be the closer? I wouldn't do it as a person that doesn't trust a person first time in that role because he only finished eight games last year. And to jump from, hey, I'm a good reliever to I'm the guy at the end of the game is a huge leap. But if anybody can do it, it's a guy with filthy stuff like Ronaldo Lopez. He doesn't walk anybody. And like I said before, he gave up one home run last year. If he repeats these things for this year, he's undoubtedly the best option, I think, for the White Sox closer because he keeps people off base. He doesn't necessarily have the strikeout pitch like Liam Hendricks. He strikes out a, a batter per inning. But I think that that's what you need, steady, consistent, uh, effective pitching. And that's what Ronaldo Lopez gave the White Sox last year in the stead of Liam Hendricks for this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what Raylo's doing. Um, it seems like he's trying to build up velocity, and he already throws super fast. Uh, so he might be a guy that hits 102 this year, and that would be uh, real fun to see uh, him light up the uh, the MPH and the pitch clock. Um, it would be interesting to just see all the rule changes and how that affects the White Sox, obviously, um, you know seeing that just take place all throughout MLB will be interesting. Watching the schedule change will be uh, interesting, but I am with uh, Vinny, the point that he brought up the offense. I, I'm most excited to see what this looks like. Um, and I don't think we've heard a lot from Pedro Griffel's staff. Um, there's been one pool meeting, I think uh, with Jose Castro at spring training. And then there was some quotes from James and a piece uh, from the athletic uh, from Chris Johnson. But outside of that, we really haven't heard from the staff. Um, and the one thing that I wanted to bring up from Jose Castro, uh, he said the goal for the White Sox hitters is to be aggressive in the strike zone. Everyone is working towards that. All 30 teams, I guess our plan and approach is based on the fastball working the middle of the field and letting it go where it goes. Uh, and, you know, that's just coach speak and all that stuff. But just to put it into numbers and things that I understand, uh, the White Sox 
last year in run value, negative 21.8. In 2021, 47. Um, and if you go through all of the rankings, so if you just take all of the 60 teams from 2022 and 2021, uh, the White Sox were 13th in run value versus fastballs in 2021 and through 2021 and 2022, the 13th best team since 2021 uh, with a 47 run value last year, 40th. Um, so out of, you know, 60 teams that were 13th and 40th, it's a massive drop off 47 run value to negative 21.8 uh, in 2020. Uh, they were at 24 run value. Uh, so they were killing it in those 60 games. So clearly they struggled a ton with the fastball and it's not really just the fastball. It's just now seeing a ton of more sliders. I think Pedro Grafal's game planning, Mike Tozar's game planning will be huge. Hopefully the White Sox have a better approach of what pitchers are throwing at them, how to understand the spin. And hopefully they can just damage fastballs when they are thrown at them. Um, but then also since 2021, these are more player specific. Grandal had the best season against fastballs uh, in 2021, 17.2 run value. That was 57th best in the league, but they haven't had a top 50 player versus a fastball uh, since 2020. Uh, so it's, it's been tough to watch. Um, Anderson in 2021, uh, 14.3. Obviously, he was hurt, so you'd expect him to be uh, somewhere near his career normal. Uh, to put it into perspective as well, Juan Soto had the best uh, year in 2021 against fastballs at 46.6. So that's kind of the top bar. Uh, still, the White Sox don't even have a guy over 20 uh, run value versus fastball. So that could be where things could improve. Uh, my guy, Andrew Vaughn, had the best year in 2022 against the fastball with a 12.1 run value. Um, Luis Robert in 2021 at 12.9. Those are the only players uh, with run values over 10 for the White Sox in the past two years. So that's going to be huge. And a fun stat, our guy, Jose Abreu. What did he do against the fastball in 2022? Negative 0.3 um, in, in, in 2022. Uh, he had the 28th worst season uh, against the fastball out of any White Sox hitters since 2021. Uh, and Lance Lynn in 2021, when he faced 14 fastballs, had a better run value uh, than Jose Abreu in 2022. Uh, so their best hitter massively struggled against fastballs. And I think that's just a huge sign of why Jose Castro and the limited things that he said is said, you know, we want to damage the fastball. When Chris Johnson's saying he's like, I want the White Sox to damage fastballs. The White Sox need to start damaging fastballs. And if they do, this offense might be better than ever. So, hey, uh, I'm, I'm excited. And I'm thinking about the early going right here where people are trying to adjust to the pitch clock. Remember, hand position, grips, things like that. Those take a little time, especially if you haven't pitched this pitch before or it's a little intricate of this pitch. So you got 15 seconds to get that ball where you need it to be. So fastballs, I think, will be king early. It'll be a lot of fastballs. And, you know, if a person has added something to their arsenal, it's going to be a little tougher for them to throw in the 15 seconds allowed it when there's no one on base. So I would say being ready and being active and being good versus fastballs is imperative for everybody, but especially the White Sox. All right, well, let's wrap it up. That was a good discussion. We're going to have more discussion previewing the 2023 season again on Wednesday at 4 p.m. live on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. We have the live event on Thursday at 4 p.m. at the Whistle, 4911 West 95th Street. Make sure you are coming out and joining us. Uh, check out all CHGO for the full details there, but that's going to be a pregame and a watch party, so come hang out with us and watch the White Sox game on the 30th. And again, we're going to have... 
straight shows uh, from the 29th to the 6th. So we got a ton of White Sox coverage for you here on CHGO Sports. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Go Sox.